For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, it was late one night, and I had sat down on the, uh, the couch and was relaxing when I heard uh, from the bedroom our oldest son cry out, Hey, Daddy, can you come here? I have something to tell you. Well, it's not something I wanted to hear. I was tired. It had been a long day. And this was now the fourth time that he wanted me to come to the room. But I got up. And I started walking into the room. And as I did, I could feel that the anger was boiling. I was trying to keep myself calm. I was trying to keep myself under control. But it was really hard. I opened the door. There he was, sitting on his bed, looking at me. And I said to him, what do you need to tell me? So it was harsh. It was short. And for a moment, I think that he just sat there, maybe pondering whether he should say anything at all. But with great courage, he looked at me and he said, Daddy, I just wanted to tell you that I was thinking that when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Well, my heart melted. I walked over to him. I picked him up. I hugged him. I said a few words. I laid him down and I kissed him and I said goodnight and I walked out the door. And I thought to myself, as I sat back down in that chair, I wonder what kind of man he will be as he follows me. Well, as I was pondering this, once again relaxing, I heard him say, Daddy. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. The fact is, is that Jesus has called us to follow him. And what's different about him than me is that I tried to be a good example for my sons to follow. I made mistakes just like we all have made mistakes. I've asked for my forgiveness where I've made my mistakes and I've tried to improve along the way. And at the end of the day, I think that our our children know that I love them immensely. But Jesus says, come follow me. And he didn't make any mistakes. There is no apologies that he needs to make. And he loved us immensely. Well, this morning, we're going to look at this part of Jesus and that we're to follow him. You know, Paul gets it because Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And what was that attitude? The attitude that we see later on as we read through that beautiful poem that Paul writes about Jesus is that he came as a servant. And Matthew, he writes and he tells us basically the same thing as he quotes from Isaiah chapter 42 that talks about the servant. So let's read it this morning. Let's read this, these, these words here in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 15. So Matthew 12, starting in verse 15. We, we pick it up the story where Jesus has, has done a healing on the Sabbath and the Pharisees are now after him. They, they want to destroy him. Uh, they want to kill him. And so we read in verse 15 these words. But Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left the area and many people followed him. 
He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This was a fulfillment of the prophecy. And this is the prophecy. For look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out the flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. What are we what are we seeing here? I, Matthew is quoting from Isaiah 42, and this is the prophecy. And Jesus says, don't go and tell everybody. Why is that? Because this wasn't about trying to create a political platform for him to take over. But instead, it was about a servant coming because he was serving his father. You know, this is what we learn. We, we learn this. Uh, is, is, is This is how we see how God sees him. First, it says that God chooses his servant. We read in that first part that, that God chose this servant. We read as well that he loves this servant and that he is delighted with him. So God chooses that this that his son would be the savior. And he, he loves him, he delights in him, and we find last is that, that God's spirit is upon him. What, what is this saying? This is saying that, that it's proclaiming that Jesus is a servant, the Messiah is a servant, and that, and that this, there's authority that, have been, that has been placed upon him. That's why at the end of Matthew, it is said that Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. This authority has been given to him. Well, now the question is, is how is he going to use that authority? How will this Messiah, the Savior of the world, how will he use this authority? Well, let me tell you this story. I, I started a new job. I was working in a grocery store. I worked, I really worked hard at getting this job. I went back many, many, many times uh, to, to see, to inquire whether I could get a job at this, this grocery store. And I finally got it. And the day came, I was working in the back room and they were teaching me how to sort out bottles and can, the bottle and can return. And I'd probably been about three hours in my shift when all of a sudden I heard these two, these two people hollering and arguing with one another. And the manager was in an argument with one of the employees. And uh, it was really unsettling uh, to see this and to watch this. Well, after being there for about six months, I realized that this manager would often do this to other employees. He would be asserting his authority. He would um, be demanding. He would raise his voice. He would argue with people. Um, and, and, and the interesting thing is, is that people did follow what he had asked them to do, not because they respected him. So they did what he had asked them to do, not because they respected him, but because he was their supervisor. Really, in many ways, this man abused his authority that was given to him as a manager. Jesus could have done that very thing, but he didn't. 
let's let's look at that a little bit because it says that that this servant this is how the servant would act the servant would would not argue he will not argue the servant will not be raising his voice he will not be going out to the street corner and saying listen you must follow me you must do what i say the servant wasn't there to get ahead by trampling on on the broken by overcoming the weak so when it says he will not he will not damage the broken reed or he not will not snuff out the the, the light of the smoldering candle is not by means of putting people down no the servant is going to serve he is going to do God's justice. He's going to proclaim God's justice by serving. Isn't that interesting? Because, you know, Jesus does this, and the question is, is how effective is it? I mean, in today's world that we live in, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of argument. We're seeing a lot of fighting. We're seeing a lot of, of, of the stronger come overcoming the weak and trying to gain their position and, and, and keep their power or rise up into power. But Jesus doesn't. He comes as a servant, lays down his life, so that many can live. So how'd that work for him? Well, I'd say it worked pretty good. I mean, over the years, people have tried to, they've tried to put the church out. They've tried to jail it. They've tried to persecute it. It doesn't work. They've tried to destroy it. They've tried to kill it. And it only grows. There's gotta be something to this that you and I must find ourselves engaging with. So I'll come back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, where, again, Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Jesus showed us the message in action. Jesus knew this, and this is what he preached, and this is what he taught, which was, you must die to yourself you may live. In other words, he is saying that you and I must be dealt with on the inside before the outside will change. And we must proclaim this message that the inside can change. That's the good news, that things in our lives can change and the people around us can change. We don't try to change the outside and pretend the inside is okay. If we want the outside to be right, the inside must be right. And to do that, Jesus says, proclaim the good news. You don't need to argue. You don't need to fight. You just need to proclaim the good news. If we want to see our society change, if we want to see Canada changed, then we need to see it change one person at a time. When, when one person comes to know Jesus and the inside begins to change, the outside will change. Their actions will change. So I think the challenge that I find is this. I don't want to stand. I don't want to argue with people. I don't want to fight with people. But I do want to be a servant like Jesus. I want to serve the people around us, around me. I want to love them. 
I want to care for them. I want to proclaim the truth. And then I believe that as that happens, I will see a community transformed. I will see a province transformed. I will see a nation transformed. But I first must draw a circle around myself and say to Jesus, Jesus, work on the inside so that I can be your servant on the outside. Where are you today? Lord Jesus, help us. Oh, the days that we fall short, that you continue to love us. But Lord, help us not to be satisfied with where we are today. I pray for that, that burning fire inside that you produce by your Holy Spirit. To look to be a servant. To believe, O oh Lord, that God, you are in control. And that by the authority that you have invested through Jesus Christ, that we can believe that our nation can be changed and transformed as we see individuals change and transformed. Give us this vision, Lord. Help us to start in our own lives and go from there. In Jesus' name, 